how does someone know when they are healed enough for a relationship? One of the indicators are is if you have had enough time with yourself, like, are you able to communicate that I've had time with me? I started kind of dating myself, you know, um, and I'm able to kind of reflect on the circumstances. I was able to sit in the hurt. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They immediately want to run to companionship because they don't want to feel. So one of the ways you know if you had time to heal is if you allowed yourself to feel the loss. Did you allow yourself time to grieve that relationship? And in grieving that, I was able to be with myself and examine and reflect back on the circumstances. So I would say that's the first thing. I am Taylor Chandler. I'm a licensed therapist, host of this podcast, Boundaries and Grace, and leader of my practice, Reattach. My mission is to help you shift to secure attachment, uprooting anxiety and avoidance, replacing with clarity and peace. You will shift. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Dawn Galette Crossan. I am a licensed psychologist and certified trauma therapist. Good. And you have been on this a couple of times before. So for some of you, you've heard Dr. Don's voice before. And before we even get into what we're going to talk about today, can you let them know who you are on Instagram so they know where to find you? Yes. Thanks for that, Taylor. I am Dr. I'm, I am on Instagram at Dr. Dawn on the real. And I'm on Facebook at Holla Love, H-A-L-A, Love. Um, and I have like a group called The Same Gang on Facebook. And that's S-A-N-E-G-A-N-G. Yes. And so, and there's a podcast. Yes. <laughs> there's so many well, <laughs> I forget all about that, right? My program developer be like, how do you forget that? Like, I don't know. Yep. My podcast is actually Sanity Sessions for Sisters, keeping it together when you want to fall apart. But we're doing a shift thanks to my girl, Tay Chandler. One of, the, you know, one of, one. she's one of the main um, influencers um, that had me really niche down. We're going to be shifting in the fall to sanity sessions, real talk, real trauma, real women. So we're looking forward to that shift, but it still be under sanity sessions. Okay. So, so you can find her in all of those areas tonight though. We're going to talk about heartbreak. And one of the reasons why uh, people come into their attachment work, one of the main cues for so many people is that they're experiencing some sort of disruption in the relationship that they didn't expect. And one of Mm. those really big ones is a breakup. Often it is jolting them out of their norm and Mm -hmm. people are looking for answers. And so I thought it would be great to talk to you about this very significant and specific relational trauma of breakups and how that affects people and what someone can do about it. So with that, I wonder um, if you could start us just with your understanding of heartbreak as trauma and what does that mean to you and does it show up in your practice? So let me just say like the fact that you even were like, it's really insightful, even as a therapist, that um, you were even able to see that because therapists don't quite tend to see trauma. And I'm talking broadly when I do training um, here in this county and in Philadelphia, 
in the surrounding Pennsylvania areas, getting therapists and, and, and social workers and mental health professionals to see trauma outside of just physical, sexual abuse and domestic violence can be one of the struggles, right? And so just the fact that you're like, hey, there's there's trauma associated with this, that's just, that's really, that's big because a lot of people don't see it like that. A lot of people don't realize that that, that, that can be possible. So, I, you know, I, I appreciate that. Um, so when, when we think about, uh, yes, let me just say heartbreak can produce trauma. As a matter of fact, there's grief can produce trauma, loss of, uh, loss of a loved one, a natural loss of a loved one can produce trauma, you know, and these are things that we did not know. The definition of trauma has expanded over the last 20 years to come outside of that box of just physical sexual abuse, domestic violence. Right. So when, when we, when we hear rejection trauma, um, we generally see it in, in terms of childhood trauma, right. Um, where there has been significant maltreatment, in particular in the formative years of our lives. So the person or child may hear or feel that they are worthless and have no value, which can often lead to a loss of self as they're growing up, which as you point out in, uh, in your workshops, at least what I take away from it, can, you know, can significantly impact the attachment pieces, right? And so uh, heartbreak generally is seen as a form of rejection because with heartbreak comes some type of feeling that I'm not enough, that I wasn't enough to sustain the relationship or I'm no longer wanted. Um, you found something better, uh, the feeling of being thrown away. And of course, depending upon the circumstances, such as, you know, of the breakup, you know, it could be betrayal, um, finding out that your partner's living a second life or a double life or has been cheating or have children or all types of things, or may not even be the person you thought they were, have a whole different identity, those types of things. So the circumstances surrounding it also can can amplify um, the traumatic response in that. So, yes, I would I would say that, that that's how it uh, capsulize it. That's, that's not the right word, right? <laughs> that's why I was visual. That's how I visualize it. <laughs> Wait, you were just on a roll and then you went we just which is I it's like we just took, we just it's okay. It's okay. I don't know. It's like we just took a we just took a funny little tumble at the end. <laughs> What you want to let's rewind the tape. Let's rewind the tape about, 45, about 45 seconds. What, what were you saying there? I was just saying this, wrapping it all up. That's how I would connect the rejection of trauma in terms of connecting that with heartbreak and why does it have that impact? Yes. And how it can have that impact. <laughs> there we go. Generally, uh, you know, when we think about rejection and we put it together with trauma, we're looking at younger years, right? So not saying that adults can't experience this, right? But but rejection, trauma in itself brings with it that level of I'm not worthy enough to be loved. So let's say um, <clears throat> I was sexually abused by my father. So I wasn't worthy enough to have a healthy relationship with a with my father. I wasn't worthy enough to have a healthy sexually relationship with a man, you know. Um, so those those are things that are sometimes said by perpetrators or sometimes said by family members, unhealthy family members. But even if they're not said inherently because of the mistreatment, because of how I'm Walking away from that situation, feeling that there becomes this uh, un, um, this message that's unsaid of lack of value, 
You know, if so, if I let's say I'm never physically touched, but I don't ever have food on the table. I'm constantly starving. Mom's never present. Um, there's no, uh, there's I don't have the necessary supplies, soap, water, food. There's this ongoing running dialogue. You know, like uh, I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not, I'm not um, special enough to be taken care of. You know, gotcha. and so with trauma, does that make sense? Yeah. So what you're saying, I think, is that when we're putting meaning on how someone treats us. And so when it's good, we feel better about ourselves. And when we feel, and when we're treated poorly, we feel worse about ourselves. And so, especially as children, especially as children. And so when we're rejected at any point of our life, that is someone we're usually like internalizing it. And we're going to talk about that next. Like, so we're usually internalizing it and saying, Oh, you're treating me that way because of who I am. And then that's, that is what chips away at our self-confidence, at our self-esteem, the way that we see ourselves and then exactly. behave in the world. Exactly. So, and as adults, we may have a little bit more coping skills and resources if we don't have like a history of maltreatment or, or trauma. We may have a little bit more uh, coping skills and cognitive abilities to be able to kind of rationalize it and, and problem solve it. But as children... You know, we look to those caring for us to derive a certain amount of Mm self-worth. That's just how we're made, Mm -hmm. you know. And so when we see, uh, when we constantly are getting these images or these uh, messages that our needs are not important enough to fulfill, it can just inherently begin to... To, 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 to develop a certain amount of self-worthlessness or devalue pieces inside of us. So as children, we look to our parents or caregivers to give us a sense of self-worth so in a way that that is internalizing someone's behavior yes. but they're that's like it's like a required internalizing we have to get some sort of sense of who we are but when it's done poorly then that's when we get the poor result so yeah. internalizing it is taking someone's behavior bringing it inside and making that something um, and, and applying that to my literal self and, and using yeah. however someone is treating me to define who I am. And so when we are rejected, abused, neglected, all of that kind of thing, abandoned, and that says that I am like abandonable. How does someone move past that? Obviously a big question. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I know that that's a big question. And and, <laughs> we, and one of the things that would probably come up in our response to this co- sort of question is, well, it's a process. And yes, like for sure it is. Yeah, so yeah. But, so with, with that as a disclaimer, um, how does someone move past it? Yeah. So, um, big questions are what we do, right? Tay? So <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> loaded. I call them loaded questions, like a loaded baked potato, right? Got the, uh, bacon and cheese and sour cream. So the, um, you know, first of all, it is, it's co- it's totally normal, right? For children to look to the people that care for them, their caregivers, in particular mom and dad to, to for self-worth, right? That's part of the growing up teaching children about themselves and, and, and value and all those types of things, right? Um, around 12, 13, developmentally, children start to look outside of their parents and their family. They start to look outside to their peer group to start to get a little value and, and, and to get some, um, validation from there, right? So that's, that's part of a developmental process, right? So, um, we tend to internalize rejection as being an us thing. So, you know, we take it very personal because after all it's happening to us, the person is directing it 
to us and they may, you know, you know, nine times out of 10, they put our name in the sentence consistently about what something that we are doing to them. Right. <clears throat> so we tend to make it be about us. It, it, like there is something inherently wrong with us, you know, as if we're broken or bad. So we, we, we just, like I said, we personalize it versus looking at our behaviors or our part being separate from our being. So meaning that let's say in a situation in a relationship where there isn't any betrayal, like we're in a relationship and we thought, I thought it was going well. Apparently he didn't, he didn't communicate that. And let's say we break up. Right. Um, now, as instead of me looking at it, like, okay, what is, what, what, what were my contributions, the pieces that I brought to the table? A lot of times we go straight to, I wasn't good enough. He found somebody better. You know, if I would have been thinner or if I would have been loving, more loving, or if I wasn't so much of a nag, all these types of things internal to us and not separating those things out in terms of those are my behaviors. So I'm a decent, good person. I could be a decent, good mate with some work. I'm not a bad person, but I may have uh, my my actions and reactions or, or the, the pieces that I brought to the relationship the behavior may need to be tweaked or, or revamped or made it made into something a little bit more healthy in order for that relationship to thrive. We don't tend to do that. We tend to be very all or nothing. Like what I do is who I am. When we're not realizing that the things that we do can change, it can change over time, developmentally or with therapy or, or feelings, thoughts and behaviors can change with, with, with work. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's, that's how we internalize it. So we move past it. Of course, you know, I'm going to recommend with therapy and support if you feel stuck, but also by looking um, at our own, our part, like what's my stuff? I call it stuff. What stuff did I bring to the table? Whether it was poor boundaries or whether it was, I got into this relationship because um I, I didn't want to be alone or I, um, it was a rebound relationship. I really was trying to get over this person. Like, what did I bring to the relationship? Whether it was, Hey, you know, I really didn't like half the things he did because I, because I didn't want to lose him. I accepted it. Like what part did I contribute and being able to own your part, but only owning your part because it takes two people in a relationship. So if, if he or she was unhappy and didn't communicate that, well, you can't own that. You can own that. You only can own the things that you did and you contributed to the relationship. So I think part of moving past that is just being really open and honest with yourself and looking at the things that you brought to the relationship, the things that you are responsible for and the things that you contributed to that situation. Okay. So being able to separate what you do from who you are Mm -hmm. and recognizing that you can change what you do or you can change how you respond. You can change, you can even change how you think you can change your patterns. And the other piece too, we have to understand is that you could show up and say nothing in a social situation and somebody not like you. And so we got, you know, or not want to be around you. They might not just like the way you look. People are, people are fickle at best. (laughs) And, 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 and again, when when we're looking at the parts that we are owning, we have to realize that we just, you know, we're not going to fit into everybody's neat box. And that's okay. That's why so many people on this planet, because there's so many different tastes and styles and, and preferences. And then also knowing that people would, would have, would may have worked when we first got together, people grow. So now 10, five years in, I'm no longer, that's no longer what I'm looking for in a person or mate or relationship, you know? So is it, you 
or is it the situation circumstances are no longer conducive? Not saying that the person, the other person doesn't have to do work, but when we personalize it, it, it kind of makes it be about, I am unfixable. I'm so broken. I'm so, and it's like, no, no, it just, it's no longer a good fit. Yeah. You brought some stuff to the table and so did the other person, but it's just no longer good. And we have to move on. Okay. So someone, someone's no thank you this is not a no thank you for everybody. You can exactly you might be able to someone you might exactly. be more compatible with another person, and there's also some maybe some things in there that you truly could take a look at and fix, heal. And generally, change. it always is. It's yeah. both. It's always. It's usually. It's, it's always something. Yeah, it's a little bit of all of that. It's a little bit of all of that. You know, like it's a little bit of all of that. How does someone know when they're healed enough for a relationship? So they have said, okay, I've taken all of the advice. I have already moved past rejection. I can move on from my heartbreak. But how do I know when I am healed enough? Or someone who has just recently had a heartbreak, an acute relationship disruption, and Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, my God gosh, I don't know what I'm going to, like, I want to be able to get out there. I'm not ready yet. I don't know when I'm going to be ready. And then how will I know that I'm going to be ready? So yeah. what can you say to that? How will someone know when they are, and this is in quotes, y'all, this is not necessary. This is not actually my language at all. This is just how I know that um, a lot of people talk about this. Okay. But um, in mm-hmm. quotes, just to be clear, how does someone know when they are, this is where the air quotes come in, healed enough for a relationship? Yeah. So, you know, that's another loaded question, like the loaded baked baked potato. So, you know, and I'm just going to say healing is on a spectrum, right? Because we all have work to do and we're always going to have work to do until we take our last breath, right? But one of the things I would say is, you know, people tend to break up and they're in a new relationship within within seven to 10 days, sometimes 14. And, and they'll come to me and, they, you know, they want to work on relationships, um, but not, not detaching pieces like you take, just like they want to work on relationships and they have some trauma and, and they haven't had a lot of time with themselves. And so I would say, you know, one of the things, one of the indicators is, have you had time with yourself to sit in the pain? Because, we tend to medicate pain. And when I say medicate, I, it could be actual like drugs or alcohol or whatever, but it could also be food. It could be uh, binge watching TV. It could be dizziness. It could be overproductivity. It could be a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so one of the indicators are is if you have had enough time with yourself, like are you able to communicate that I've had time with me, I started kind of dating myself, you know, um, and I'm able to kind of reflect on the circumstances. I was able to sit in the hurt. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They maybe want to run to companionship because they don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways you know if you had time to heal, if you allowed yourself to feel the loss, did you allow yourself time to grieve that relationship? And in grieving that, I was able to be with myself and examine and reflect back on the circumstances. So I would say that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is that you, you, you know you're able to do it when you're no longer ruminating on what happened. So, like, you know, when you're able to say exactly what happened, the date and the time, the color she wore, where she stood or where he stood, you know, it was sunny and, um, you know, you just got finished eating a taco. Well, that probably is going to suggest that you're still kind of in it, you know. And the thing about still being in it is that when you start to see someone else, you're going to see them through that lens. 
And, and it really isn't fair. It isn't fair to the relationship, mm-hmm. the new relationship, and it's not fair to the, the, the new partner or the possible partner, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, so if you're able, if you're still ruminating on it and thinking about it consistently and constantly, then you probably need to give yourself some more time, okay? Um, and bitterness, if you're still bitter about <laughs> about what happened, and you're still bitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it was about the way you just said that. You're so bitter. Like, <laughs> exactly right. I feel like right. is that isn't that is that hard for someone to self assess though? What do you think? Do you think someone accurate like re- seriously? Do you think someone really knows when they're bitter? So this is what I was about to say. One telltale sign of bitterness is the rumination. <laughs> yeah, because you're completely. <laughs> 100% right, Tay. And this is why me and her died, y'all. This is why she's like my IG bestie and my, my little sister uh, mentor on uh, IG because I knew that you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew it. And I had right, I had right in my notes. A telltale sign of bitterness is if you continuously think about how wrong you were, how, how much you were wrong in that situation. You're ruminating on it. If number so, yeah. two, then number three. You are yep. this person. Yep. Yep. If you're still thinking about it, you're still better. And you know, honestly, I, I'm being honest, and yeah, I'm gonna be real yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be real with you. At that point, you want to see somebody. I'm telling you because your friends are kind of hearing about it. Now, depending on what kind of friends you got, if you got friends like Tay, she's gonna tell you. But if you got friends like me, I'm gonna tell you. But if you got that friend that don't want to hurt your feelings, which a lot of us have, they're gonna say it behind your back. But your friends are tired of hearing about it. And so you, at that point, it's time for you to go see somebody because your therapist, she may say it at the 50 minute mark, but she ain't going to say it to your face. And she's paid to sit there or he's paid to sit there and listen to you say it over and over again. Because with rumination, you're definitely going to need somebody to help you point process it. You're going to need somebody that's going to do some Socratic dialogue, somebody who's going to have to challenge your thinking and present alternative ways of looking at it. Because oftentimes with rumination, we come out as the victim or as the super bad guy. We don't generally fall somewhere in the middle. And I think Tony Jones, uh, uh, I listened to her because of uh, Ute. One of her songs, I don't know the name of it, where she says, like, I'm so tired of that narrative. Of why didn't he lo- allow me to love him? You know, uh, of men being the bad guys and we as women being the victims. She just used that as an example. But that's generally what you will see with rumination. Uh, minus, forget the gender. Just think about the context of it all. You're either the villain or you are the victim. And that's, that's not good because generally what it is is somewhere in the middle. You know, I did some things right. I did some things wrong. She did some, so he, she did some things right. He, she did some things wrong. And when you find yourself ruminating, you need to find yourself a therapist to help you think differently. <laughs> about it. And most things in life are like that. You know, we tend to look at things black and white because it's easy, quick um, in the short term, but it really isn't easy, quick, long term. It, it causes us grief and bitterness. But most things in life are like that. You know, they fall somewhere in the middle, shades of gray. Yeah. You know, um, you know, however you want to typecast it. But that's good. That's good. Somewhere in the middle. Um, so I want to ask about 
this idea of spending time alone, I think it can be visualized as like monk or nun living where you are in a cave (laughs) and it is dark and there's no electricity, no Instagram, no hashtags, everything is taken. And so I wanted, I want us to give a realistic view of what that means. I want to know what you think about it. I want to share what I think about that. Like what does spending time alone really mean? Like, do you need to be isolated in your opinion? Because I don't know what you think about it. So I'm really genuinely at what it looks like to you or how you would, um, someone who really doesn't have an idea of it. Can you paint the picture? What does that mean to spend time alone with yourself after disconnecting from a relationship and before entering a new one? Yeah. So when I say this, when I'm talking about getting to know you, I'm not really referring to it like what we might see out there on social media in terms of the, the year of you, the year of you. I'm talking more about getting to know yourself, you know, like, because sometimes when we're very relationship driven, um, a lot of our likes and dislikes and preferences are based upon whoever we're dating in that moment. Um, you know, especially if we don't have a healthy view of a relationship, if we're using the relationship to define who we are versus um, it being part of, uh, you know, our, a part a part of who we are, but not who we are, right? We tend to, everything revolves around the mate and we're keeping the mate happy because the mate, if the mate's not happy, then I'm not happy, you know, not having those healthy boundaries and that separation. And so when I, when I talk about uh, a long time, it's like, who are you? What do you like? You know, I had one of my mentees that I was working with that literally did not know what she liked. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she liked whatever the guy she was dating liked, you know, mm-hmm. um, did not, did not, didn't know movies that she enjoyed. She, she didn't know clothes that she, everything she did was based upon who she was dating at that time, you know? So, I'm, so that's what I mean, those types of things. And also liking yourself. Again, because a lot of times when we struggle to be alone, we don't necessarily like ourselves. We don't like who we are. So we don't want to be by ourselves because, you know, I don't really like me. I don't like who I am. So I need to be around someone else to distract from who I am as a person, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. So I'm not talking about because you, you know, you could be in a room with people and still be, um, with you, you know, you're okay in your skin. You're not, you're not showing up to perform or distance. Those are terms I learned from my girl Tay, y'all. You're not showing up doing all of those types of things. You're there just being who you are. You're, you're okay in your skin. So I'm not really looking at the context of how many people are around as much as I'm talking about you being okay with you in whatever space you're in. You being okay with you in whatever space that you're in. So if you are, if you are, do not make a, significant overhaul to your social life how do you get to know you like if you're if I want to maintain my social my friends want to maintain my basic social activities I want to you know still like be around um that's not me y'all by the way I'm not out and about like that but I'm talking to some I'm helping someone else to understand that there's a different kind of life than me right but um so so what what does that mean to like go to find yourself like therapy of course helps are there other ways that someone can start that process on their Mm -hmm. own today that's a really good question. I like that question. Um, that's being true to who you are. So like, let's say you're out with at dinner, right? Well, no, let's say you're out with friends and they say, let's go to dinner. Do I want to go to dinner or do I just want to keep my friends happy? What does Dawn want to do in that moment? So then if you say, I do want to eat. Okay, so then you're being true to you. Okay, so everybody's trying to decide on a restaurant. So all of the team says, well, let's go to, I don't know whatever restaurant and you really hate that restaurant. 
what are you going to do? Are you going to just go to the restaurant because you want to keep them happy? Or are you going to go to the restaurant because you want to be social? You want to enjoy their space. And so you want to go or you're not going to go at all. The latter two are great because it's about who you really are. But that first one, not so good because you're trying to please somebody and gain validation from somebody. So I would say being true to who you are, when you're making decisions, making sure they're coming from a space of what you genuinely want to do and not for something in return. And when I say something in return, we know a lot of times we make choices because in return, we want someone to like us. In return, we want someone to love us. Or we, in return, we think that somebody should show up for us a certain kind of way. And those aren't necessarily genuine choices. So, you know, so think about you and what I and I really want to do regardless of how someone else responds. So that's what I would say would be the beginning because you don't have to be alone. Sometimes we can't be alone. You ain't living with somebody. You might have a roommate, right? So it's like, what do I genuinely want to do? And being okay with saying no. Like, you know what, guys? I'm not, I'm not I don't really like that restaurant like that. I'm going to pass it up, but we can get together tomorrow. Or I don't like that restaurant like that, but I really want to hang out with you guys. So, I'm, I'm you know, let's hang out. Those two are great answers. But if I'm saying, I don't want them to know I don't like the restaurant because they might not like me and they're not going to ask me to come out again. So let me go. Well, I'm not being true to myself anymore, you know? Okay. So paying attention to that inner voice of like, okay, what do I, like, am I going back and forth with myself in mind or is my inner voice in alignment with the decision that I'm about to make on the outside? Yep. And that, and sometimes it can be, I'm sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. Now, I was going to say, sometimes it can be like, so what do I really want to do? Like if some, a family member reaches out and says, hey, can I borrow some money? So, you know, what do I really want to do? I want to say no, because this is my last hundred dollars or I was using this hundred dollars for something else. I really want to say that. But I also want this to help support this family member because I know they're on a wellness journey and they're doing good. And I know they really need it. You know, so that's a genuine reason. But if I say I am going to say yes, because then I am going to be the star and she's going to brag and I'm going to look great in her eyes. And then one day she'll come back and do it for me. Well, then at that point, do you see where I'm going with it? So I can't make a decision. I should, if I make a decision that is based off of trying to get a certain response out of someone, I am in red flag territory. Yep. Exactly. If I'm making the decision for validation, because there's going to be things that we do to help people that we may not necessarily want to do, meaning like it's inconvenient, right? But we know that it's for a good cause and we're hoping that this person will benefit. That's great, right? You know, if you decide to do it, that's great. But when we're looking for, we're making decisions for um, somehow for some type of validation or for something that really only can truly come from us to be satisfied because those are like empty dreams or pipe dreams. Like you're never going to get enough of that. You're never going to get enough of your great, your great, your great. So you're just going to keep giving, keep giving, keep giving until you, you know, you're never going to get, it's like addictive, right? So, so when we're looking when we're making decisions based out of that kind of thing, then we're not being true to ourselves. Okay. Got it. I want to know about this thing that I see coming up a lot with uh, individuals who are wanting a relationship, but who have a, I think every relationship coach, which I do not, that I am not a relationship coach. That is a dating and relationship coaches are a different 
vein um mm-hmm. same mm-hmm. kind of like arena but in different we're in different sections here dating right. relationship right. coaches i think deal with this a lot um i deal with it in it but in different ways but i know that a lot of people that are in this work have this experience so i want to bring it up people who are having a um a perception of the dating world so people who might be potentials for a relationship, but having the perception that uh, it's not going to go well or that they're going to have to spend all of this time and people want to waste their time and um, because of experiences that they've had in the past or, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, there's a, there's a whole range of uh, grievances that so many people have and not and truly like things don't, aren't always made up. I mean, people yeah. have had, like, some really negative experiences dating. Um, I think yeah. that yeah. the internet world is really highlighting, especially right now, yeah. there's just something in the water about relationships and yeah. this sort of, like, uh, analysis of what works, what doesn't work, what should you do, what yeah. shouldn't you do. And there's a lot of opinions out there. And one, and one of the things that's happening in dating world are a lot of people popping up and out saying, like, oh, my God gosh, it's so horrible out here. I think that there is a, not, I, let me not act like, I don't know. I never know what's going on. I do know that there is a, a sentence going out there saying something like, um, there's pee in the dating pool. Let me, let me, let wow. me, um, let me make sure I do it out. There's in the dating pool. And so basically just getting at it's going, it's going poorly for so many people. Mm-hmm. Now I, I would like to give some people some help today about understanding first that um that attitude is not a not a great one we want to figure out you got to figure out how you can stay positive and that's why we want to talk about this so dr zahn not all dates go well like some so 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 some of what the 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 fears that some people have they're out of genuine like hey it might go well might not so not all dates go well Um, right there can be flat out rejection on a date there could be rejection after there can be flat out rejection after a date. There can be passive rejection, which is um, maybe ghosting might fall into that category. Passive right. rejection. Like I'm not going to go for this, but I'm not going to tell you that I'm not going for this, but yeah. I hope that you yeah. get the hint. And so people have plenty of reasons, both um, distorted and genuine legitimate reasons right. to not to have a negative outlook on dating. And so yeah. even if, someone is uh quote unquote healed enough for a relationship um it can still be difficult for someone to stay positive what can you tell those who want a relationship but are having a hard time staying positive in this current atmosphere atmosphere yeah yeah that's a tough one because i do hear that a lot um from people like they're like you're you know you're so lucky to be married it's so rough out here blah 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 and I think it has to go back to the expectations. You know, if um, you know, if, I, if I'm going on a date and I'm meeting this person for the first time face to face, let's say we've been chatting through the online pieces or whatever, and we're meeting face to face. You know, first of all, if, if you're doing this online chat, and I'm not against it or or for it, like back in the day, I was like, that's crazy, but you know, that's what we do. We're online now. That's what we do. So I'm not a, I'm not a proponent against or for it. But if you, but understand that it's easy to put your A game on when you're doing digital stuff. That's the whole point of digital. You know, we we put up there what we want to put on. So if we're 
and we're going out on the date after some digital interaction, you know, I got to realistically understand that there's a really good chance and it's not about you. It's just the nature of the game that what I'm going to meet up with is not going to look or sound the same as what I've been chatting with over the last however long we've been chatting and being okay with that, understanding that that's part of the process, part of the journey, you know, and the other pieces are is once we connect just like that person um, just like that person may reject you, you may also reject them, you know, because I, you know, what I see is not what I thought I was going to get, or it doesn't line up with what I was looking for at this time, you know? So like kind of releasing the expectation, the positive or the negative expectation, this is just a time for us to connect, to, 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 to meet each other, to, to enjoy this time together, maybe looking at being present in that moment and not looking for it to be anything more than that. If it does um, morph into something better and greater wonderful if it doesn't great I'm not committed but oftentimes my clients they're they already have in their mind that you know I'm going on this date you know we've been really bonding and connecting I think this might be the one you, you haven't even met this cat yet you know and it's like lose the expectations we have so many expectations and sometimes we don't even talk about the expectations but in, in our minds we have these expectations of people you know, um, and so really being honest about yourself, like, what am I looking for? What am I really looking for from this date? You know, and understanding that you may have this internal expectation, but he or she has some too. And so it, we haven't talked about these expectations. So how am I coming to the table um, with this idea that they would meet these expectations? So I, to, I would say stay in the present and look at it as an opportunity to enjoy one another's presence in that moment. If it goes further, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too, because we're not committed mm-hmm. okay that's it so to be so to be present to understand that you can have a i guess i'm adding added that in like you can have a uh an an intention of what it is that you want for your life but not to uh, put that on the other person as if they have to fulfill that with you right or for you exactly that, so you can have that Goal or that ideal for yourself, we're going to keep that other person out of it until there is at least some sort of relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've agreed to be in a romantic, exclusive relationship, but there's been a relationship as in two human beings that have some sort of connection growing. <laughs> but when you don't know someone, that can't be possible. It can't be. It's not possible that there's been any like genuine connection developed because you haven't had an opportunity to genuinely connect so exactly so exactly slowing down and I tell my clients that even with family relationships like I'll have clients who had like a really tattered relationship with their mom right that come to therapy and and you know they may have connected with mom at a family event and things were really great and they'll come back to the session they're excited you know my mom and I we had a great conversation and you know blah blah blah, blah. I think you know I think it's going to be different now based off of that one interaction and then they get disappointed because they reach out to mom, maybe to have lunch. Mom didn't respond or she no showed or, you know, or, you know, whatever, consistent to mom's behavior. And I'll say, you know, and so they'll say, well, I don't want any contact with her anymore. And I'm like, is that really what you want? You know, so basically working with them to understand, like, if you're going to maintain any contact with your mom, it's up to you. However, well, I don't enjoy the moment. 
why not enjoy those moments, that moment of we had a great time. Don't look at it like for the next six weeks it's going to be great or for the next 60 years our relationship is morphed and changed. It really hasn't been, like you said, any work to, you know, to, to develop that anyway, you know, and just enjoy that moment. Be present in that moment. And I think a lot of people are or have these expectations hoping that like my one client finally admitted that she was like, you know, I just thought maybe one day we get married. I'm like, are you kidding me? He, you, you just met him, you know? So, you know, we have these untalked, unspoken expectations. So we go into these, these dates looking long term and it's like, it's just, it's just some steak and some shrimp. That's all we at right now. And whatever happens from the steak and shrimp happens and just enjoying that good time. And the same thing if it goes bad, if it goes poorly, it was just, it was a, it's a poor, it was a poor date. You know, just, that's what it was. It's just in that moment, it was poor. It doesn't mean that the dating pool is bad or every man or every woman out there that's dating right now sucks. Just, we just had a bad date. I just had a bad date. It's just in that moment, it was bad. One of the things that makes that difficult for someone to apply is that you don't actually believe that it's truly okay. So, mm. um, got to have a life of your own you've got to have a life of your own that is not waiting to be good and great when someone that you don't even know comes into it like that is that is a surefire way to stay anxious and depressed because you're always going to be waiting for you don't even know who if 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 your life is waiting for a stranger that you've never met to come in and make it better it's it's going to be pretty rough, okay? So what we're asking you to do <laughs> is right, not to right. put so much pressure on, on, on yourself yes. because it's yes. not just for the other person to perform, but it's also a lot of pressure on you to show up pretty perfect, pretty and, and pretty much like you, you, you're, you know, trying to show up like someone for someone perfectly who you don't even know. So it's a lot of cards stacked against someone when we go at it in that way. Rather yeah. than, like you're saying, to be able to stay present and have enough space in between, which includes your mental space of, like, thinking about it, ruminating on it, hoping for it, fantasizing about it. So creating some mental space between you and that person so that you can see who it really is in front of you and not just your ideals projected yep. onto someone. Because that, exactly. I mean, it, it will lead to disappointment. There's no way that the person that you draw up in mind before you really know someone is going to be that person. Even if they're both end up being great characters and like your yeah. character in mind and a character in front of you is going to be two great, can both be great people. But if they don't, if you, if we kind of become attached to a person in mind, even if the person in front of you is great, they're still going to be wrong because they're not the person that you imagined. And so you've right. got to leave space. Right. Right. Exactly. That's good. That's a good point. You know, this whole idea of like some of the clients would be like, well, if this doesn't work out. I'll probably never be with anybody. And that they're not, they might not say that out loud, but that's how they think. And it's like, this is just a, we're just going out for some snacks, like, and some drinks. Like, this is, you know, it's just, a, like you said, a lot of pressure um, placed on this connection when it just be free. And um, and that pressure has to impact the interaction, you know, um, because you, like you said, you got to show up perfect. And so you're not even, you're not even functioning in your true self because you're, you have so much banked on this, this, this one date or these dates, you know? For sure. Those are the questions I have for you, Dr. Don. It was great. It was some really good questions. Thank you so much. Gave me some material for my upcoming podcast episode. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing these things with 
the people and we hope that it helps you to move on with your life and and to have to start to develop a new perspective so that you can move on in peace. Last yep. words, Dr. Don, can you remind them? Any last words that you have for them? Any last words of advice? Anything that is, that is sitting on your heart still before we go? And then also, please remind them where they can find you and if there's anything that they can get involved in with you now. Can you share that? Yes. So, again, I'm at Dr. Don Real on Instagram. You can join my Facebook group um, right now, um, Bang Gang on on um on Facebook. And, um, I also have a YouTube channel that has, uh, it's up and running, but has not gotten any of my uploads yet because I'm functioning in perfectionism. I'll get out of that. But, uh, the YouTube channel is also Dr. Dawn on the real. So I'm looking forward to all of those things. The podcast again, sanity sessions for sisters shifting to sanity sessions, real talk, real trauma, real women. So those are all ways to make connections with me. Um, the last thing I wanted, the leaving thought that I would like to share is that no matter how painful the trauma may feel for you, it can be healed. You can move on. Trauma has a way of making us feel so stuck and making us feel like it's just no way out. But it can, you can be healed. And, and, and don't think of healing as a destination. Don't just look at it as a um, continuous work in progress where you just are able to live a better and more abundant type of life. Thanks for listening. As always, heartbreak trauma is real. It can have lasting effects that get in the way of you creating the relationships that you want today. And so I thank you for your time and attention and the attention you put on your healing today. Make sure you check out and follow Dr. Don Crossan. Her links are in the show notes. I'll see you all next time.